Hello, indeed. Do we need a revolution? We need a revolution of real health. Um, this is Bernadette Pager on an informed life radio at 1150 AM KKNW streaming to you live over the airwaves in the greater Puget Sound region, online on Facebook, and now to CHD TV. So welcome everybody to the show. A health revolution is what this is all about. Uh, I hate everything that we're going through with the the whole covid chaos but within that within the craziness of what's going on so much is being revealed of what's wrong with our healthcare system which is really a medical industry um and anytime any company any industry gets too big they tend to lose sight of their original mission, their original goals, why they were founded. They, they begin to live to preserve themselves rather than preserve those they set out to save. And that's exactly what has happened with public health, <clears throat> with the medical industry. There are really good people working in this very corrupt system. So I don't want to imply, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a little frog in my throat today. Um, uh, I don't think it's um, Brandon's frog. I think it's my own unique one. Um, the I don't want to imply that everybody working in 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 health in medicine is in any way corrupt or is being bribed or anything. There are really good people that have been coming up through a very corrupt system, um, and but right now their eyes are being opened. And um, today's first guest is Crystal Anderson, uh, a woman I consider a friend. Um, she is out in Washington State, and I had the pl pr uh, privilege of meeting her, oh, a year or so um, ago or more. I don't know. The time just flies. So I'm just going to welcome on Crystal. Say hi, Crystal. Um, hi. Can you hear me? Hi. We can hear you. It's good Great. to see you here. And then with Thank us also today. Me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm just so grateful for as I told you yesterday, it's like, I'm so grateful that you continue to reach out to me. Um, I get to be a little bit too crazy busy and your story and your journey is so important. And you're, I love um, how you're willing to talk about your experience because that's going to help us make the, the changes that need yep. to be made. So let's say before we go further, let's say hi to um, Dr. Javier Figueroa, known now as I guess, Dr. X. <laughs> Thanks. Good to hear good to be back and uh good uh good to see everyone uh doing so well and healthy yeah yeah we're doing good i got i got that little uh, cough but you know one of the other silver linings of covid has been i've got an arsenal if i get a tickle a little cough i get anything you know i'm on it and uh today when i woke up with a little cough i've got my iodine uh gargle and nose rinse that i've been doing and, and yep. taking my vitamin c and things and um already feeling much better but I apologize in advance if my my voice cuts out on me a little bit. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so so Crystal, um, let's back up a bit. Let's talk about um, back in the beginning. You had a health issue that was going to require an MRI. Is that a good place to start your journey? Yeah, that's a good place to start. Yes. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. tell us about that, you know, and, and whatever you're, you feel comfortable sharing. I know some of it would be personal information. So whatever you feel comfortable sharing about your oh, yeah, experience. Thank you. So I, I think I felt like there was something the matter with me for a little while or a long while. And um, so I ended up going to an endocrinologist who sent me in for a pituitary uh, tumor workup which is you go in for an MRI of the pituitary and they found a little something that they just wanted to check on six months, 12 months later. I went back six months later, had a repeat. And then after that was incredibly sick and um, went to a neurologist because I was incredibly sick from the dye, um, but didn't know it. Didn't know it. She didn't know it. Can you describe your symptoms? She gave me two more injections. Oh, good heavens. So she like quadrupled, doubled my problem um, wow. because even the neurologists don't actually know very much about the side effects of their own tools. Yeah. So MRI dye is not a dye. It's a heavy metal. It's a lanthanide on the chemistry panel. And um, sometimes it's radioactive and sometimes it's not supposedly the gadolinium that we're injected with is not radioactive, but there's actually no way to check that. You have to kind of just trust that it was done in advance, which leads me to one of the issues that I had had, which was I tried to get my lot numbers and I could not, they didn't provide them. So then Hmm. I reported that to health and human resources and they said they could do nothing. So I just wanted to say that the, the gadolinium is giving, it reacts differently to everyone depending on what other problems they have going in. And some people are being diagnosed with autoimmune, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia. The, some people are given the precursor to multiple myeloma, it deposits in the bones. Other people now, are getting I... full-blown multiple myeloma after the injection. Okay, so that's what I wanted to to clarify because you went in um, with they were looking for some sort of thyroid issue, and pituitary all the, is is pituitary. Your pituitary. Oh, pituitary. So okay. that's that's right there between the eyes. It's a little tumor that regulates your hormones. Okay, and so. then all of those issues that you named are what people are beginning to experience after they had an MRI for a completely different reason. All yeah, of these just other- depending on the person. Some people get okay. scleroderma, other people get cancer, other people get fibro, other people get mast cell activation syndrome, which is just basically means you're allergic to everything. Wow. Um, so Chronic fatigue um, syndrome. So you kind of, depending on the person, they, they get hammered with a whole bunch of yeah. weird, weird stuff. Well, you know, and that makes it really challenging for the consumer. You know, we all often say that, you know, when it comes to medicine, there's no one size fits all. And that extends to there's no one type of reaction that everybody will have to Mm -hmm. the exposure to any given drug or injection. And therein lies the problem. It's so much easier to ignore or wave off a hundred different possible reactions to one thing. You know, they think, 
you can't blame everything on the dye, right? It's just they'll they'll want to whitewash it. The more things that it can cause, <laughs> the easier it is to hide that the causal relationship. Do you see where I'm going? Is oh yeah, just or like, your, your yeah. initial reason for going in is then blamed. Yeah. And then um, a lot of people are also being sent to, you know, psych after that because we look anxious, depressed, hypochondriac-ish. Um, wow. And so, yeah, I, I had been prescribed after the gallidium before I even knew what it was. Before mm -hmm. I knew why I was sick, I was prescribed gabapentin and then also prescribed an antidepressant, which didn't work, didn't help because it wasn't the problem. Right. Right. Um, right. And um, Dr. X, I want to ask you if you know how familiar you are with these MRI contrast. Not very familiar, but usually, you know, heavy metals are one of the things you don't want in your body. Yeah. And uh, that's because uh, the body will start using heavy metals, might confuse them either magnesium, calcium or iron. And then that can have a whole slew of effects because it starts affecting enzymes, signaling pathways. Uh, either starts incorporating it into uh, other tissues uh, in an inappropriate manner. So uh, heavy metal toxicities are known and are contraindicated. Uh, but, you know, contrast agents are so standard. And, you know, the, the whole idea is that they've been used for so long. What's the problem? Again, you, you can't. You, you really have to assess it uh, person by person. And, you know, it's too bad that we don't have the sort of... Uh, level of uh, medical ability to basically say this person will probably be able to process it okay but this person will not and so those are the things that you know i think uh our our friend jack uh, lyonsweiler who developed mm -hmm. this whole idea of genetic background uh, predisposing people mm -hmm. to certain conditions mm -hmm. if we had that sort of ability to identify people saying yeah this person should not not ever get contrast agents or this person should be able to tolerate it fairly well, or at least mm -hmm. develop techniques like, for example, chelation therapy. I don't even know if that's been even discussed or offered to you, Crystal. Um, yes, there are. Um, there's. I have had DTPA chelation. DTPA is the chelator that's added to the gadolidium when you receive your dye. So I've done several rounds of that. And then there's also another product out there that has not gone through human trials, which is called HOPO. And it was, um, I think it was reconfigured by Berkeley Labs, which created it as a anecdote to nuclear war. So we're, wow. we're, they're talking about treating us as if we had a nuclear accident inside of us, which I think just goes on goes yeah. to say what it kind of went through yeah and um we you know we were all excited about berkeley labs and they had promised to do a study on the effects of gallidium on humans and so a bunch of people donated and um after people donated then they changed the mission and they studied the effects of gallidium on the environment, which shows that it promote so far they came out with a study showing it promoted the growth of fungus, which wouldn't be necessarily anything that a human would want. But it seems like the mission was changed based upon a large donation 
and mm. I, I requested the tax returns to see who the donation was from and it was opaque and I'm an accountant. And so I know that you're supposed to actually have the name and address. So I reported that. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was not just, you know, the warning of be careful, it deposits permanently, but I wanted to talk about the story of all the different ways I tried to get help and report this. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's what we want. Do if I do that? No, that's what okay. we really want to hear. Great. But just before you begin, I want to make a, uh, what I feel is an important point is that so many people trust the system or they used to, mm -hmm. you would go to the doctor, the doctor says, do this, go to the hospital for this test. And we have that sense of trust. They wouldn't do it if it was dangerous. They would warn me, right? We, we have this trust that somebody, some entity was overseeing safety. But when you have an experience like you had, suddenly you see that the system is not what you thought it was. And, um, and so that's, that's why your journey is so important. So yes, so mm -hmm. you, um, you had the test, um, you had another, an MRI that got the contrast, then you had another one, you started feeling really bad, you went to your neurologist who had no idea that it was the contrast and did it to you two more times in mm -hmm. trying to search for it, and trying, made to help you much, me, right? trying to help you, you tried to get the lot numbers, and nobody would give you the lot numbers. So you couldn't even report like what would be considered a hot lot. And in this case, talk about hot, it right. would be uh, radioactive. So they, and then a lot of people that I know who have been damaged by gadolinium can't even get the product name. So you can't even say, did I get Omniscan or Gadivist or, you know, the different brand names. So a lot of people can't even get the brand name or the amount that they were injected with. It, and so the that... fact that I was trying to get a lot number was yeah. like, I mean, who even knows to think of that? Like yeah. I was way far down the journey before I was like, oh, there's lots. Right. <laughs> Are, well, you know, I know it's wonderful that you knew to to ask that if is is there stonewalling actually legal you as a consumer of medical products don't you have the legal right to know what was injected in you right down to the lot number well that's why I reported that to HHS health and human resources or services and mm -hmm. and this they said they had no way to get involved that is laughably a lie because as a matter of fact, that is part of their primary duty to do that. That is stonewalling of the worst sort. Yeah, just more of the same. Wow. Okay, so, so take us on your journey. Okay, so I would like to just begin by starting with kind of the story of Thoracast. Uh, Thoracast is the product before gadolidium that was taken off the market if, you know, a few decades ago when they found out it caused cancer. So the first part of the story is oftentimes once they prove one thing is dangerous, they just sort of change it to another thing that's just as dangerous. Mm. And then um, just to, to go back on who I've reported it to, I started with the police because I went to the police and I said I was uh, criminally poisoned by my hospital. And they told me it's a civil matter. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then I called the FBI and I said, look, Yale uh, dermatology um, has distinguished nephrogenic systemic fibrosis, which they knew is the gadolidium 
deadly disease um, from scleroderma, scleromyxedema, and other connective tissue diseases in a fraudulent way, and that they received a building from Bayer for this. The FBI did nothing. Then I also uh, reported to the F FDA that Bayer submitted a fraudulent application to the FDA that they knew it deposited permanently and in 2004, actually since the beginning, and, um, and that nothing was done with that. Uh, so the FDA, the FBI, Health and Human Resources, I, I called them and I said that there was no institutional review board, which is what's mandated supposedly for a experiment, mm -hmm. um, you know, Helsinki law, mm -hmm. and that this was an experiment on me with no IRB. And they said they couldn't act because they only act when there is an IRB. And I responded, but the problem was that there wasn't an IRB, that this was permanently deposited in me without an IRB. And they did nothing. And then I called Regents and I said, this is insurance fraud, that they lied so that they could make money. Mm -hmm. And then after uh, several months, Regents got back to me and said, they're not interested in that type of fraud. <laughs> then do you have that in writing i want to hear them probably <laughs> like, not they probably yeah. didn't word it quite that way but yeah no nope, that was what she said they, were... they really wanted like some you know not not policy level frauds which of course we know that policy level frauds are the big guns oh wow and then i went to the insurance commissioner which i couldn't go to until i did regents so i did my step and then the insurance commissioner i think did nothing Mm -hmm. Then um, I applied to the safety committee for gadolinium contrast on the FDA. So there's actually a panel of 12 people that meet every year or several years to discuss gadolinium safety. And they are required to have a patient representative. So I applied to be the patient representative. And I was told that I had a conflict of interest because I had an adverse event. So you can only be on the FDA panel if you had a positive experience with um, the product. What? Is that is that part of their policy? That's well, that's the way Congress set up the FDA. So basically, it's just a marketing tool then. Wow. Yes. Yeah, that's that's absurd. Even the I forget the name of the committee, but there is an HHS committee that meets on vaccines that actually has consumer reps on it. And they right. specifically um, want people who have experienced or their children have experienced vaccine injury. I mean, it's still a dog and pony show. They still, mm -hmm. you know, say yes to everything and don't do anything, but at least they have one person who's there and is able to try to get truth out, but to not even have, mm -hmm. wow. And the gal, the gal that interviewed me for the position, yeah. She said, quote, unquote, I had a hell of a time finding a patient rep for breast implants because they all had adverse events, <laughs> which is, again, laughable. And so, so it's then we can we petition, about, can we petition Congress and write a bill to change all of these committees so that they have to have an injured person represented? Uh, that would be one of the many petitions to Congress that could be done. Oh, good. Right. Okay. So then after that, the um, 
I learned a little bit of what they consider a conflict of interest at the FDA. And a conflict of interest is some sort of consultant fees for a 12 month period. So the day before the 12 months that you are on the committee and the day after you could receive $5 million and that would not be a conflict of interest. That is insanity. And doctors can never have a conflict of interest. So let's say that you um, are a radiologist and you're profiting significantly from it. That is never considered a conflict of interest. <laughs> so then I contacted the, um, his title is the Magnetic Resonance Education Director for MR Safety, the consultant to the FDA, Emmanuel Canal. I contacted him and wanted to talk to him. And I was told he couldn't speak to me for um, litigation purposes. Then I did the same to another man, uh, a radiologist at Mayo, um, uh, Dr. McDonald, and tried to talk to him because he's putting a lot of studies out there showing that it's safe. I wanted to talk to him and they told me I couldn't talk to him for uh, litigation purposes. So then you can't even talk to the people no. in safety positions because they're trying to protect the um, their products. So... I've got a little bit of a Pollyanna in me. I, I hate believing that the absolute worst in people, what I would like to know besides money and power and position and status quo and standard of care and everybody caught up in a corrupt system. Why would doctors want to continue using a contrast dye that hurts patients? Is there nothing else that could substitute? I'm just wondering what the motivation, um, you know, if they're not directly, if they could still do their job and do these MRIs and treat patients and just use another product, why don't they? Well, when I did watch one of the, there was an FDA meeting in 2017, I think, and I watched it and some radiologists got up there and they showed an example of here, we would have missed this breast cancer without the gadolidium. And they showed that and then they, they bring up those types of examples. That was what I saw. Um, so they're willing to poison a certain number of people. Well, they don't acknowledge they've poisoned a certain number of people in order not to miss. I mean, it's the whole COVID thing. It's the it, risk-benefit analysis. It's completely missing. Risk-benefit and, risk and, when benefit, you, and right. then what causes what, right? So, yeah. oh, you, oh, you got breast cancer. Well, that's why you've got fibro because of your breast cancer. Or, or you've got MS, and MS is also very similar to fibro. And so there you go. We just worsened it, by the way, but we're not going to say that. Oh, your MS has progressed. Sorry. Sorry to hear wow. that. Wow. Um, so then I, I was, um, then I tried with the Washington State Department of Health. And I found after <laughs> um, a merry-go-round of calls and emails and everything that there actually is nowhere to um, lodge a gallium complaint. You can only complain about a doctor, but not the product. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was at a very reputable hospital and I wanted extra bone marrow taken during my bone marrow biopsy mm -hmm. and um, to have that tested for gallidium. And that went missing 
or was processed or whatever it was. I, I complained about that. Wow. About a 24-hour urine test that could not be used and could not be repeated. And then I think I'd like to talk about how Honda still calls me um, on my 1989 Honda to tell me about recalls. And those types yeah. of things don't happen with, with any medical product, mm -mm. any device. No. And it's a good time to kind of bring up, in case you guys don't know, about the two to five million hidden adverse events with medical devices. Did you know about that? Two to five million yeah. hidden. No, explain yeah. further where we find this. The, the, the International Consortium of Journalists um, found them and then kept on hammering them through the press and through late night comedy until the FDA had to divulge them. Through late night comedy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> this one late night host that um, is from the UK, uh, mm. kind of political guy, I can't remember his name, did a lot with it. So, and then when people actually get nephrogenic systemic fibrosis, which is the, the worst of the worst mm. deadly disease that it causes, the link to the registry is broken. So then they say no one else is getting it. Um, so we got that going on. Then I tried to notify PBS, NPR, King, Cairo, Seattle Times, and no one got back to me. Then I had an attorney because they were taking cases for a while. And um, this is kind of an interesting story too. So, I mean, if you talk about all the places you go for justice or representation, and everyone's like, get an attorney, get an attorney. So then you get an attorney, and then the attorneys round everyone up in what they call a multi-district litigation, which in order to save time in the courts, they say, let's just take a few thousand and have one judge see them all rather than have several hundred judges seeing them and having um, contradictory rulings confusing mm -hmm. rulings and <clears throat> backlogged courts. So mm -hmm. a bunch of people were, were grouped together in this and um, I wasn't allowed to be uh, represented because I had too many co-founding things. Mm -hmm. So let's just talk about that. So that means, for example, one of my friends named Rose who has MS and was injected, you know, 10, 20 times and was completely gaslighted for her gadolidium uh, symptoms, um, would never even get a chance at getting an attorney because they would blame all of the symptoms on the MS. Mm. So the more complicated your case, if you have breast implants, if you have exposure to fluoroquinolones, which cause a lot of um, uh, chronic fatigue, mitochondrial dysfunction, fibromyalgia type symptoms, those, those would be thrown out as well. So they really well, want young people to represent and people who are totally healthy and were injected and then were ruined. And the more complicated you are, you're just never going to get a case. Wow. So therefore, if <clears throat> no one else is going to help you, 
and then your only chance is civil attorney, a bunch of them will never get a civil attorney. Then you go yeah. into an MDL and then the MDL throws it out. Um, and, uh, you know, a bunch of us really feel like it was a dirty judge. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then, yeah. then if after an MDL is lost, there's really no chance to get an attorney to take that appeal further because there's a slim to none chance. So when we're talking about our justice system and, um, experimentation on humans, um, there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Then I went to Wikipedia and I tried to like submit some studies <laughs> and they remained on Wikipedia for less than two hours. And oh, then I got yeah. in an argument with them and yeah. they said, quote unquote, science is not fact, it's consensus. That is the most absurd thing mm -hmm. I have ever heard in my life <laughs> and the gall to say that in wikipedia is just yeah. it just goes to show who they work for yeah <laughs> yeah anybody who goes and, and quotes wiki today i remember in 2017 way before all this was going on but i mean we knew i mean this by that i mean covid but <clears throat> um there was a presentation in washington state before the senate health care committee and it was on it was on vaccines and they had brought in two doctors who knew nothing about vaccines, who just happened to have autistic children because they were trying to convince the, the Senate. They were they were brought in specifically for this purpose. And and you could, they were a little bit bewildered, like not quite sure where they're asking me to talk about vaccines and vaccine safety. But no, they don't cause autism. But the one of the first things one of the doctors said is, well, you know, I was looking it up on Wikipedia last night. I was, I was just floored. I just, and, and, um, my co-president on the board at the time, Drella and I, w when this thing got done, I transcribed the whole blessed thing. And we ended up writing a 57 page fact check rebuttal to it because it was so one of the things these idiot doctors, I'm sorry, I'm squirreling, but one of these things these idiot doctors said was, well, they used to think that there was some health concerns with the MMR, but they took the uh, mercury out of it. So now it's not a concern. Mm -hmm. um, and what's wrong with that statement? I'm not sure if you know, Crystal, I don't know how much you know about vaccines, but um, MMR is a live vaccine it never has had mercury thimerosal in it. If you put it in oh. it, it would kill it. <laughs> it was never an ingredient in there. Right. Right. And so oh, this is the so absurdity funny. of what yeah. is being told in the Senate. Senators are all trusting mm -hmm. them, right? Mm -hmm. It's that trust. It's trust of the system. The Somebody trust. with a, they're, they're a doctor. They came through the system. You yeah. must believe them. I saw it on Wikipedia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you look up the entry on in Wikipedia right now for naturopath and naturopathy, it oh, is God. so hysterical. It says it's like a, it's a voodoo science mm -hmm. um, that uses herb concoctions that have no scientific basis. I mean, excuse me, there's universities around the world teaching it, but no, it's voodoo science. And yeah, mm -hmm. it's, you know, how do we, how do we untangle, you know, the, the, the corruption? It's so easy now to corrupt information. It's so stinking easy to, to just buy access to all the sources of information, to buy the science, to buy the people doing the science, to buy the books, to buy the universities, to, mm -hmm. to buy all the outlets where you get your information. 
You know, it's really, I, I feel like we have to really preserve, like, like there's that big seed bank that's like at the North Pole or South Pole where they're preserving seeds that we need to grow food in case something awful happens. Well, I feel like we need that for information. Who is preserving truth? What really happened on that day? Or, you know, it's so easy. It's just us. It's so much 1984, but on this really even more dangerous. I mean, if we could just go back to book burning, but you can just skew people so much more with this digital form of information. Okay, I'm rambling now, but... Um, what a journey you've been on. I'm so sorry that you went through it, but I'm so appreciative of your taking notes, detailing your journey, being dogged and not giving up and just, you know, thank you, you know, thank you. Yeah. So I just want to say a few more things too that oh, yeah, have we, occurred we've to got me. Time, you betcha. Yeah. Is, um, I, I, I'm not a, clearly not an expert, but I think that some of the gadolinium is, and some of the lanthanides have to be mined other places because we've got more regulations in America. So I think a lot of it perhaps is getting mined like in China and other places. So I just wanted to bring up the environmental impact of if someone cares about climate change or um, mining, and I've always loved to hate mining, um, but think about all the machinery it takes to, to mine it, to separate it out. And then by the way, we're finding that they don't actually separate it out very well. And that when they test some of these products that they actually have quite a bit of other lanthanides in them. Wow. Um, but the mining, the separating, the transport, and, and then the delivery, like the environmental impact of this is actually pretty terrible. And, and I'm wondering if, like, the places they mine it, does it is it getting now into the groundwater? And it's getting actually into getting into the groundwater in, like, San Francisco Bay and in Germany. And they've got, they're finding it in the fisheries in Hawaii. So we're peeing it into our wastewater. And, wow. Um, so now we're all going to start drinking it. And it doesn't break down because it's a, a mineral. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's like one damage kind of after another. Uh, yeah. That's the problem with heavy metals. They bioaccumulate over time and it's a very tough thing to get rid of. That's why also with, for example, uh, uh, spent uranium shells, if you use them, they contaminate that area forever. You, there's mm -hmm. just no getting rid of it. And it requires a hell of a uh, environmental remediation project. Which, which kind of brings me to, you know, again, I'm not an expert on this, but talking about mining and, and some of the ways that corporate America is, uh, corporations are damaging the world is that they can do something like mine a mountain, destroy it, and then go bankrupt after they've given out their bonuses and their mm -hmm. equity dividends. And then it's a super fun site that taxpayers clean up. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't get cleaned up until a lot of people work really hard to get it declared a Superfund site. So yeah. there's just irresponsibility and callousness um, systemically yeah. through uh, uh, mining. Mm. We're, we're just giant, or not giant, we're a giant collection of little cash machines to 
mm-hmm. to the global corporate world, if they find a way that they think they can make money, um, in they go, rip out what they can and run away. Declare bankruptcy, go, yeah. done. Yeah. Everybody else gets the problem. Then I also wanted to mention non-disclosure agreements. Mm. So, um, and I will bring up a couple examples. Um, well, I'll just bring up one. So uh, there's a woman who runs a website called Woody Matters. And that's because her husband, Woody, had um, trouble sleeping and took two weeks of an antidepressant and then committed suicide. And mm. the whole issue of suicide and some of the um, psychotropic drugs mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. something that actually took decades for um patients and families to bring to the attention of the authorities. And even then it's covered up. And when we have, when it, it, sometimes these products also cause violence and induce violence. And, and sometimes when you hear about the shootings, um, it's really easy to, you know, blame the guns and then, but then something else that's never really mentioned is you know first of all what causes mental illness and is it sometimes mercury fillings and pesticides and aluminum and these kinds of toxins that make people go crazy and then they go violent with the psychotropic drugs and some of the suicides you you never hear about the meta you know, the medication cause because mm-hmm. the, every story is going to be told a certain way because yeah. um, Big Pharma really owns our news stations because they're mm-hmm. such large contributors to NPR and PBS and, and um, the news station. You know, I've noticed a really disturbing trend over the past few years of a lot of outreach and support for people who are either iatrogenically, you know, meaning by pharmaceutical uh, injured or environmental injured, mm-hmm. the support goes to the person, but you are not allowed to discuss what caused them to have these injuries, right? It's it's like the normalizing of the person who has these issues and shame on you for trying to blame their issues on anything. Just support them. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, the big one is autism. It's not environmental. You're just born with it. It's a different way of thinking. It's, it, you know, it's ridiculous, but that's what they do. And I remember once um, in Olympia sitting outside a senator's office waiting for an appointment and they were, there was a group of really nice people there and they were going to be talking to a senator about raising money for more Uh, home situations for supporting people with dementia and Alzheimer's and all this. So, you know, these are issues that they go in and they can pitch and they can tell stories about people in bad situations and raise money. But if I were to follow in there and say, people are being poisoned with aluminum Mm -hmm. in medications and in this and uh, leading to the Alzheimer's and leading to the dementia, can you give us money or pass a bill to fund something to prevent the issue? Nobody wants to go there because then you're battling, you're battling pharma and you're battling big business. 
see what I mean? It's like you can get funding to, to support the injured as long as you don't mention what's causing the injury. Right. Which, um, if you, uh, let's just say that you're an aluminum manufacturer or whatever, and you have these, um, and fluoride mm. is a byproduct of creating aluminum. Well, what if instead of having dispose of fluoride in an environmentally safe way, you're able to market it as being necessary for being added to our drinking water? So then you actually sell your toxin. Mm -hmm. So there's the renaming and reframing and the, um, the fake science that, you know, our fake world. Yeah is what's going on. So what I, I wanted to circle, I wanted to talk about NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. So the gal that runs Woody Matters told me that she was trying to get out the story that there was a smoking cessation drug that caused a bunch of people to become violent. And so they all found each other and yeah. then they got their, you know, their litigation together and they signed an NDA. And so they all got paid off, then they got silenced, mm -hmm. and then the smoking cessation drug went to market after that. Wow. And so then the next group has to figure it out together. Some never mm -hmm. do. And just mm -hmm. those like people that are like really dogged and determined, like us, yeah. Yeah. that keep on talking, then they have to go together and they have to go and prove Daubert, which is you know, Daubert is the legal, um, we've actually proved causation, right. Mm -hmm. Um, type standards that are, are very onerous for yeah. individuals that own, that don't own labs and hospitals to, to prove. Yeah. 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 That so, is really concerning. I remember once, um, I, I was at a, a protest rally outside the CDC a couple of years ago. And there was this awesome mom whose little girl died after a round of vaccines, just a little baby. And she went through the whole, I don't remember the details, so I apologize. Um, I, I wish I could, the, I'm bad with names and her name's at the tip of my head, but I'm not remembering it. Anyway, um, she went through the whole compensation program, but it, it, she was going to have to sign a non-disclosure agreement in order to get compensation. Mm -hmm. And she said no. Mm -hmm walked away from the money so that she could shout Fuck. from the rooftops about what happened because she did not want anybody, any parent to ever go through what she went through. And yeah. let's remember this, that the vaccine quote courts, they're not courts, they're administrative uh, boards. Yeah. So they, you can, you can make any deal you want with them. And you could say, you know what, I'll take the money, but I'm not going to stay quiet. I want that in writing. There's yeah. no requirement for them to follow a set policy. There is no law for it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know in that, this particular circumstance what happened, why that wasn't able to be negotiated. But, you know, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a really sad what We have to look out for each other. Mm -hmm. We really have to talk to each other. And that's another very alarming aspect of the past two years is our government in the guise of public health have been working very hard to keep us away from each other, to keep us from being able to talk as efficiently 
and easily as we would like to keep us from gathering and sharing stories, uh, sharing stories on one particular topic. But it also silences stories like yours because it's it's much more challenging to get together in a public uh, venue and um, and we have to learn from each other. Otherwise, we don't know what's going on. And it really has to be buyer beware that, um, and it's crazy because we've got good consumer protection laws in this country. They're just not being followed. We have excellent informed consent laws. They're just not being followed. Mm -hmm. Where's the enforcement? There's no, like, um, like what I'm saying, I, I was yeah. experimented on. Yeah. Um, so, and there's no way to go after the FDA. There's laws to protect that FDA, even if they've never done their job in one way or the other um then uh, if i could i'd like to talk about um philanthropy for a little bit yeah we've is, got a few more minutes you betcha okay, thank you um because um i tried to report this to the ms foundation you know the pituitary foundation the multiple myeloma foundation the scleroderma foundation all, all of those people and they didn't seem to care and so um sometimes philanthropy is actually just an arm of the, the corporation. That, that's one thing to say, but they clearly didn't care. The study, yeah. you know, whatever you give, provide to them isn't current enough. Mm -hmm. It's not large enough. It's, it's just not what they, they don't want to prevent. They don't seem to want to prevent no. all the monies and the cures and there's no, and um, so there's that. And then because I'm an accountant, I just wanted to also say that um, I worked for a foundation and um, foundations do can be run very well. And I worked for one that was. Um, however, if someone says, for example, that Bill Gates is a philanthropist, I'm not sure that you can actually say that because a foundation is actually a tax strategy. And I'll just explain briefly how it works. So let's say that I have 100 million in Microsoft stock and my basis, my tax cost is like barely anything. It's a million dollars because it's appreciated so much, right? And I don't want to liquidate and incur this taxable gain. So if I start a foundation, I, I, I create a new entity, I take, a what did I say, 100 million? Mm -hmm. I take $100 million and I donate it to the foundation. That donation is a donation. So that's a write-off. Then you can liquidate the stock and that gain is now not at the 30% or whatever it might be. It's at 1% or 2%. Wow. So you've just, and then the board of the foundation only requires two voting board members, which is you and your wife. And then you can do whatever you want. Whatever so, you want with the money. Whatever you want. You could say, I want to promote uh, uh, the use of vaccines to save Africa. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm going to promote and test these vaccines. We're going to say that we're a nonprofit or web, whatever. And then over here, we're going to own shares in Merck or whatever we're sharing. And so 
Um, and this is what got Trump in trouble because he clear he was too obvious in his tax strategy fraud of a foundation. And um, but if you're smart, you can do it much uh, more sly. You know, one of the things I I've I, I, I never would call myself a Trump fan. I apologize to those who are. But one thing you got to say about him, he's not subtle. <laughs> and I kind of like him doing things in, you know, in just sort of that, the way he did things. Because I would, I, I far more trust somebody who is in your face doing things you don't agree with, but at least they're standing up and it's kind of in your face, as opposed to somebody who's very sly and very intelligent and very kind. I had a senator once who took my hand and looked me in the eye and said so warmly, I'm so glad you're here at this hearing today, Bernadette, and then went right up on the dais and then just tore us apart. You know, just evil. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, If I could, if I could just make a quick comment and the point that, uh, or the, uh, what Crystal has said, this is not something new. This is something that has been uh, concerned or worried about for more than 50 years. There's actually a document uh, that was put out by the house, uh, the house of representatives called tax exempt foundations. This was a hearing before the special committee to investigate tax exempt foundations and comparable organizations in the 83rd Congress. And this is actually a report to basically look at how foundations and trusts were being used by big business to manipulate and guide policy as well as um, financing all over the United States. Yeah. So this is not a new trick. It's no. it's old and it's well established. No. Yeah, and, and, and it's so respectable. So respectable. All of right. the com- yeah, it's got that taint of respectability, but we've got to change that. All of the companies right now that are censoring us, from um, the email program Mailchimp to um, Pfizer, uh, you know the Microsoft, all of the. All of the companies that are doing censorship or lying about products, everything, they all belong to the CDC Foundation. It's so weird. You go look at them up and that's like because MailChimp started deleting the accounts of anybody who dared say anything critical of vaccines. So you just could not use MailChimp anymore. I'm like, MailChimp, what have they got to do with, you know, the vaccine debate, right? Well, there they are at the CDC Foundation and... Um, yeah, it's thank you for bringing that to our attention. And, you know, that's what Gates did so brilliantly is he put himself up there, you know, as this savior to the globe, a good guy with a foundation and, you know, and they talk the talk and it's, it's, it's the, it's, um, greed disguised as good. Absolute greed. And, and there's a lot of good and sometimes a lot of good gets done, you know, so it gets very murky. So it gets very murky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to do it well, you're going to do some good before and you're going to hide the greed. Right. You know, and then so many good people get caught up in it. They're idealists. You know, I mean, I was an idealist and I, mean, I probably still am, but you know, not, I'm, I'm much more awake to the sinister world we live in, but you know, we got like two minutes and I want to end on a happy note. So let's mm-hmm. think of something positive. Let's celebrate the fact that, the three of us are here talking about this and we're informing people and that people all over the world might be seeing this because we're at CHD TV now. So thank you, CHD. And uh, 
healing is possible. Reform is possible. It's going to take individuals like us. But as long as we, we keep, we stand in our truth and we speak out and we refuse to be silenced, I believe in ultimately in the goodness of, of people and in truth. What do you think? God bless <laughs> the United States and free speech and medical freedom. Amen to that. My body, my choice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely um, is, is my body, my choice, my medical freedom, my, my, all of my freedom. Mm-hmm. Under, I, I attended an event a couple of days ago with Dr. Peter McCullough. It was so awesome. And he had this great diagram and it, it was um, medical freedom in a circle overlapped with your social freedom, overlapped with your financial freedom. Mm-hmm. Under the guise of public health in an emergency, they're stealing your medical freedom and you're having to sacrifice your social freedom, right? Or they're being say, you can't go there unless you do what we want, right? And then the next step is the financial freedom. You're going to lose your job if you don't do what we say. They're all intertwined. So, you know, um, yeah, so I guess that's a good place to leave it is that we've got millions of truth warriors all around the globe. Um, and we're going to get through this together. So Crystal, God bless you. Happy holidays. Um, We'll see you next hour. Dr. X, you've been listening to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. And we were going to have Alex Meyer of Children's Health Defense. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. 
declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. We need a revolution. There's only one Welcome back to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. I want to say thank you to Crystal Anderson for joining us the hour before and taking us on her journey with exposure to that MRI contrast uh, dye that really showed so many of the problems that we have right now with the whole medical industrial complex that, that needs reform. Um, so I, I appreciate her coming on. In this hour, we have got a, a great gal who you've all met before. Uh, but first, let's bring uh, Javier on. Uh, Dr. X, are you here? There yes, you are. Yes, I hey. am. <laughs> Glad you're sticking around for the second hour here today. So uh, I don't know if you ha- were co-hosting yet since we had Alex Meyer on the show. She's uh, with CHD down in California. And does great work. She she dives down into different topics and pulls all the information together, and then brings it forward um, for us to see. You know that you know how complex everything is these days. Oh, yeah. There's so much. Every, every topic requires a lot of research in order to try to get to the bottom of it. Um, so is is she here? Are we able to bring Alex on there? She, oh, she's so beautiful. Hello. Oh, <laughs> right back at you. Look in the mirror sometime, Bernadette. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. I'd rather look at you. <laughs> um, you know, the, the thing about these radio shows and all this stuff is, you know, you learn it, it ain't about you. It doesn't, you know, and you're just like, you can't go back and watch. It's just, um, it's just too much. And no, I'm not crying, but I've got, um, my eyes are stinging a little bit. So I apologize right now as I do this, but hello, Alex. Hello, um, Bernadette. Yeah, so, good, so good to see you. Now you were recently, was it Steve Kirch, Kirsch's show that you were on Yeah. and you did this great, one of your great presentations. And it was all about the big question. Is the Pfizer vaccine COVID shot actually licensed and available or is it not? It's such a legal tangle. <laughs> And um, and then this is Javier. Have you met Javier, Doctor X? Not yet. Hi, Javier. Pleasure nice to, to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. He, he's awesome. He he's a PhD neurobiologist, and um, he knows Doctor Ted Fogarty and all about HBOT and and all kinds of things. So he's oh, wow. he's a great uh, sidekick for me to have on. That makes me look smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you already looked and sounded smart before. So oh, there you go. Didn't need any help oh, from me. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. So. Um, so, you know, if you're able to share your screen, see if you're able to do that um, and yeah. go ahead and give your, your slide presentation and we'll just have a great discussion about it. I want you to remember to keep in mind that a lot of our audience is just listening on the radio or they'll be listening later on podcast audio only. So we'll try to describe any imagery that you pull up for us. Okay. Um, that sounds good. And by the way, since I presented this to um, Steve Kirsch, mm-hmm. I have modified it. Okay, good. Um, shoot, it says share my screen, but I've got some personal stuff up here. So let me 
close. <laughs> <laughs> there should be a way for you to share a tab. Um, yeah, I haven't found that on StreamYard yet. Okay. It says slides, but I don't know if that would take me to PowerPoint. And then it says video file, and then it says share screen. And so I'm not not comfortable sharing my screen because I've got okay. a lot of stuff up here. So I'm going to have to close out of... Do you have it on PowerPoint? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So if it allows you just to choose the PowerPoint to share, maybe it, that would work. It's not allowing me to do that. I've got okay. stuff open. I'm All right. Sorry. You know Let's what? Something while I'm looking. Yeah. So, How about Javi and I will have a little side conversation so you, there you can go. focus and get your slide going. That's okay. This is this is live. This happens. Yeah. You guys yeah. don't want to see my invoices for my construction project. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, Javier, what, what's going on there in Washington State right now? Um, let me know the mood on the ground. What's what's going on? It's, uh, how can I put it? Uh, it's almost like people are waiting. Uh, people are, there seems to be also some, some resignation about what's going on. Uh, but then there's this other side of, uh, of Washington where people are just living their lives and not uh, not worrying about mandates or who's vaccinated or who's unvaccinated. So it's a, it's a, it's a real contrast depending on which part of Washington you're in ah. as, as always. Yeah. Uh, but the mood is basically, you know, I think uh, from my perspective, it's been uh breath holding because now the uh, legislative session begins in January. Yeah. And I guarantee you the first thing they're going to do is ignore the mandates as much as possible Mm -hmm. And make sure that uh, uh, Governor Inslee gets to keep on doing what he's been doing, which is legislate by fiat. Yeah. And what I found last session, and I'm sure will happen this session because it's mostly um, led by those um, who are aligned with what Inslee is doing. They are taking some of these emergency actions and, and some of the things that have been done by fiat, as you say, and they're turning them into law. They are making very systemic within our legal system and especially within the public health system, this whole, um, uh, you know, response to uh, communicable disease, you know, so that, you know, it's just part of who we are, that you are always tracked and traced and, you know, it, it's really frightening <laughs> that it's becoming so systemic and government is just getting so big. Public health is getting so extremely massive. Um, I was a little bit encouraged, though. I don't know what's going on. I listened to a subcommittee of the state, Washington State Board of Health, you know, because they're considering already taking the steps necessary to consider adding a COVID shot to daycare or and K-12. Well, you know, the daycare probably not yet because it hasn't even been granted EUA for daycare kids, but five to 12. And then, of course, 16 to 18 are covered. Um, there, there are steps in order for the Board of Health who are authorized by our law, by, our, by legislation to determine what is required for school and what is not. They're hand selected by the governor of this board. The first step is to form a technical advisory group who will get together to look to see if it meets their criteria. Well, they've begun forming the group, which is absurd to me, given what we know about everything with COVID and these COVID shots, and especially in children. And the products are still under EUA. Um, and we'll find out, like, once we get going here with, um, with Alex, uh, how everything is still under EUA. 
Yeah. So anyway, so there was a subcommittee meeting and Dr. Pendergrass, who's on there, uh, introduced at the end of the meeting, the topic of the tag, trying to drum up some conversation about getting people populated on it. Are you kidding me? N no, I'm not kidding. Yeah. So, you know, they're moving forward with it. But what I, I was very curious because nobody would talk about it with him. There was zero response. He said, come on, guys. I thought we'd have a great discussion about who we're going to reach out to to populate this thing. Dead silence. Nobody would talk about it. One person asked, do you think that the shots will be licensed by, for kids by the end of the year? And the answer was no. He tried to call on somebody. And the, um, I don't recall specifically who it was, so I'm not going to... Uh, put a name out there in case I'm wrong. But this individual said, no, I have nothing to say. And no, I'm not going to turn on my camera. So something's up. Something is up at the Washington State Board of Health. I don't, you know, I'm a hopeless optimist. Am I being optimistic? Um, thinking that maybe there is not support for mandating this shot for, for kids? I hope so. One thing I would say is that there's been so many people uh, floating around Nuremberg 2.0. Mm. for so long, especially Germany, and it's been going around the United States that I think a lot of people in the Department of Health are a little worried that Good. somehow they are going to be associated or there's going to, they could be tried under the international uh, court of, uh, uh, the international, uh, under an international tribunal for crimes Good. against humanity. And I'm, I, they should be afraid because yeah. what they've done is completely violated every single code in Helsinki and Nuremberg, mm -hmm. as well as the established laws federally and state for yeah. what they've done with this, with these vaccines. Sorry, I shouldn't exactly. call them vaccines. Yeah. Biological injectable gene therapies. Right. They just, they can no longer ignore all the information that everybody outside of the CDC is sending them. So do I see that Alex is ready? I'm ready. Yes. Yay! Okay, <laughs> here we go. Yay. Okay. Let me see if I can make this into a slideshow, play from the okay. current slide. Okay. Although that takes up my whole screen. Now I can't see you guys. So no, that's okay. We can see you okay. and the audience can see you. Okay. Um, yeah. I can't see you guys. So just take that in, into account. Like if you're looking like you need to talk, I won't be able to see you. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there's so much, you guys ready? Yes. Okay. There's so much confusion about um, the COVID shots that are on the market right now and whether or not Comirnaty is fully approved and available and if it's interchangeable with the Pfizer shot that finally decided just to put all these thoughts that were swimming around in my head into a presentation and people have so many questions for me about it all the time. I just felt like I had to do this. So a couple of weeks ago, I was giving a live presentation and I slapped this together in about an hour. And then I was on Steve Kirsch's show and it went gangbusters um, with 110,000 people seeing it in a few days. And um, so that's why I'm here. And so I've actually redone my whole slide presentation for today. Yay, and I'm really happy you. to be giving you the updated one. Great. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm going to be um, hopefully demystifying some of this stuff around emergency use authorization products. So um, let's start out by saying the theme of this is really revolves around these three strangleholds that vaccine makers absolutely have to hang on to, to keep their emergency use products on the market and that is um, maintaining the emergency and um, making sure there's no early treatment or any competing treatments at all. And then finally, they're going to be going for full liability protection, um, or I like to call this how our children will be used as pawns. 
So just keep these three concepts in mind as we go through this. And I'll circle back to these as we go. Yeah, I'm going to um, just interrupt real quick here. I forget who had it. Somebody today today had the most brilliant, heartbreaking image. It was, you know, one of those character drawings of a, a sweet old gentleman, um, elderly man wearing a baby on a front pack in front of him. And, and it like had something on the baby's bottom there. It's like human shield or shield for the elderly, right? Because, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, it, wow. was, it was very powerful. Okay, go ahead. That is, yeah. I mean, how many kids are going to die thinking they're protecting grandma when the shots don't prevent transmission? Exactly. It's really ugly. And even if they did, even if they prevented transmission, you do not have a child take a risk that does not benefit them in any way to protect somebody else. I mean, that That's is right. so appalling. Okay. And there are laws around that in California. I'm not going to go into them because I'm not intimately familiar with that. But my attorneys have talked about laws in California that prevent children in particular from being experimented on unless the experimental substance directly benefits that one child. Yeah. And the risks are presumed to not outweigh the benefits. Yeah. So, um, so here, um, <laughs> vaccine makers love emergency use authorization products. And here's why, because they have a huge liability shield. Um, if you can't sue them, you can't sue the person who gave you the injection and you can't sue the institution where you got your injection. Um, and if you're injured by an EUA vaccine, you have to apply to the CICP, which stands for countermeasures injury compensation program. Mm -hmm. And in that program, you can't have an attorney. Um, they might cover unpaid medical expenses and lost wages only. Only 3% of claims historically have been compensated. In other words, they throw out 97% of the claims. Yeah. And then so far, there have been no approvals for claims for COVID vaccine injuries at all. Even though in our injury reporting system called VAERS, there have been about 20,000 reports of deaths occurring after COVID shots and almost a million injuries reported. And we know that we have an under-reporting rate that ranges from you know, anywhere from um, 13% reported to um, maybe only 1% reported. And some people are kind of homing in on a number of, um, of 41X under reporting rates. So in other words, you'd have to multiply every number I just said by 41 to get to the real number. And Steve Kirsch has actually done a lot of research around that. Mm -hmm. um, so here's the pathway. This is what's happening right now. Um, we're going to talk about vaccines, liability, and mandates. Those are the two biggest topics in relation to these um, vaccines are whether or not the manufacturer is liable and whether or not they're allowed to mandate them. So I made a little chart, which people who are listening to this won't be able to see. But um, the first line of it is um, about emergency use authorization products. And in terms of liability, they have none, but they're not allowed to mandate the products. It's illegal. Um, and I'm going to get into that more later. The next step of this thing is to get their product fully licensed or approved. And then they have liability, but they can mandate it. So it flip-flops, basically. Um, what they really want, their sweet spot is the third phase where it's fully licensed and they put it on the children's schedule. Then they have no liability and they can mandate it. And that's what they're really going for. That's why they're going to use our children as pawns. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more as we go. Yeah. And I would like to ask, and maybe you get into it. And if you do just save it for later, that middle line fully licensed and approved. It's my understanding that with, under the PrEP Act, if there's still an emergency, they are 
a licensed product will be covered by the liability shield of the PREP Act. So they, they've, uh, the way I'm reading it is they've got this extra little place to hang out until they can slide into the children's schedule. But, you know, that, I'm not an attorney. And that, Me either. That could be true. And I really appreciate you sending me that language today. And I was studying mm -hmm. it as much as I could in between my appointments today. And yeah, that's that's really confusing. But what we're going to find as we go through this presentation, Comernati mm -hmm. isn't licensed. Okay. It's not yeah. actually approved. So it, it's they did something really, really weird to kind of have the best of both worlds. But you can't have your cake and eat it too, as they say. Right. So let's go to the next page. So under emergency use authorization, um, otherwise called EUA, the vaccines are investigational. That's the actual word used in the EUA um, approval. And that's a synonym for experimental. Experimental is the word used in the Nuremberg Code. The Nuremberg Code is an international treaty signed by a lot of the, the big nations um, post-World War II, where it basically says we cannot be experimented on without our permission. You have to be informed and you have to give your consent. And, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. We're on the informed choice <laughs> radio show right now with Bernadette and um, Javier, um, because that's what it's all about. Um, it's about informed choices. And the Nuremberg Code codifies that. Now, the unfortunate thing about the Nuremberg Code is it's not a law, but it is codified into a lot of federal and state laws. But the Nuremberg Code itself is not actually a law. Um, so EUA vaccines, as we said before, they cannot be mandated. You have the right to refuse them and you have the right to refuse them without suffering any consequences. And now I'm going to dive more deeply into that word consequences, okay. which I call the word of the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is the word of the year. So there was a case um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, Doe versus Rumsfeld. And it was about the anthrax vaccine, which was emergency use authorization and also considered IND, which stands for investigational new drug. And the anthrax vaccine was actually developed for skin contact anthrax, not inhalation anthrax. It was not effective for inhalation anthrax, but they were forcing it on the troops. Um, and 5% of the recipients, according to Major Bates, who brought this suit, 5% of the recipients exhibited Gulf War type illness mm -hmm. after the anthrax vaccine. So not only was it ineffective against inhalation anthrax, it was also injurious. And so a lot of the soldiers did not want to take it. And so what happened is that the military personnel actually won this case. And it was ruled that they could not be forced to take an EUA or investigational new drug um, while in the military. Now, the really interesting thing about this case is the word consequences. The word consequences in Doe versus Rumsfeld was defined to mean medical consequences only. It did not mean punishments like dishonorable discharge or loss of your job or having to work at a distance or having to work for, or having to learn from home like students are learning right now in a lot of places in California. So this is really important. This was adjudicated. It, the word consequences is only medical consequences. It's a natural consequence of not wanting the vaccine. So maybe you could get anthrax if you don't want the vaccine. That's a natural medical consequence. There's, there's no punitive consequences in here. So but then, you guys ready for the part two of this? Yep. Part two. Oh, wait. I'm going to go to part two in a second. Let me just also say that um, <clears throat> coercion and duress are de facto mandates. Um, it is also illegal and de facto in um, the legal world means that it's just the same as mandating something um, because if the consequences under coercion and duress 
are so bad that you feel compelled to get it, that's a de facto mandate. So um, also illegal is medical segregation or medical apartheid, like even just going to a restaurant, if they ask for a so-called vaccine passport, which is just basically your vaccine card, if they make you eat outside or they don't want you to, they don't want you to use their bathroom because you don't have a vaccine, that is illegal because um, that that is a mandate that's medical segregation and apartheid. Um, granting people different access privileges based on their vaccine status is also illegal as, as is visual identification of vaccination status, like a sticker or a bracelet or God forbid, like a yellow star. We don't do that. We don't segregate people. And these mandates are causing segregation. These illegal mandates are causing segregation. Um, I also want to say regarding mandates that mass violation of the law does not make something legal. Mm -hmm. If we all drove hundred miles per hour on the freeway, we wouldn't magically watch watch the signs change to 100 miles per hour. They would still say 65 miles an hour. Doesn't matter if every single person is driving 100, those signs are not gonna change. And so the fact that companies and schools and other organizations are mandating these vaccines, it doesn't make it legal. No, but you know, you remind me of something um, our guest said in the last hour. Um, what was that, Javier? She was told by somebody that um, science is not, Oh, yes. Science is consensus. It's not science about facts. Is, yeah. Science is consensus. Right. And and so, I mean, that's the world we live in where they're trying to push science by consensus, but it also seems like they're trying to push law by consensus because right. Javier has written the most brilliant open letters to the University of Washington about how they're breaking the law. Yeah. Right. And they don't care because everybody in the country is doing it. And I guess if everybody does it, it's OK. But and what I say is we need to flip that because we need every single individual in this country to stand up and say, heck, no, you're not yep. doing it. And then our reality becomes reality. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Mass civil yeah. disobedience is one yes. way forward and grouping together and doing that and also suing these companies because what they're mandating is totally illegal. But is, is it disobedience to not do something that is illegal? Right. Good question. Okay. I say no. I say it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I say it's my duty as an American citizen to say no when I'm being coerced to do something illegally. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, another thing about science is it doesn't play in the world of proofs. It plays in the world of accumulation of evidence. That's what mm -hmm. science is. It's just an accumulation of evidence. And you get a dominant paradigm and then, you know, there's an emerging paradigm that might come in and try to take over the dominant paradigm. And that's all this like um, Thomas Kuhn stuff. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, they're bastardizing, bastardizing science right now, especially when you say if you don't believe in Fauci, you don't believe in science. What's that? Yeah, right. there's a big difference between the scientific method and scientism. So, yeah. <laughs> And the word exactly. believe doesn't really belong in, in science. It's like, you know, does it evidence support it or doesn't it? It's not like, do you believe? And yeah, it's just so crazy. Okay, continue. This is great stuff. Okay, so let's dive deeper into the word consequences. I, I'm telling you, it's the word of the year. So our Department of Justice actually attempted to redefine the word consequences in the context of emergency use authorization products. And so they put out what's called a slip opinion, on July 6, 2021, and I'm, I call it a very tortured opinion piece because they actually redefine consequences to be punitive consequences like job loss or separated working or learning locations. And they did this because of COVID shots, They, it, but it carries no weight. What carries weight is the adjudicated decision in the Doe versus Rumsfeld case. 
this is just an opinion, but it's beca because it's from the DOJ, people give it a lot of authority, but it actually has zero authority. It's just a legal opinion, and it's a tortured one at that. Um, yeah. So they also stated twice in this document, and I could read this to you 10 times, and until I tell you that it's just crazy talk, people are just really confused. So they stated twice, literally, that the right to accept or refuse an EUA product was, quote, purely informational. So that means you can get informed of the risks and the benefits, including that you could die and that you have the right to accept or refuse it after that. But that's purely informational. You cannot act on it. You have to take it anyway. Yeah. It's this is our Department of Justice. Yeah. I mean, that's when you know that they've gone off the rails at that point. It just purely informational. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you just like, there's no words for how ridiculous that sounds. No. And it's so funny because before I, I saw you interviewed, I had been reading this thing and I, I, I was, I was just like, I'm like, that doesn't make, what is he saying? What? It's just for information. Oh yeah. And I just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy talk. I mean, if anybody else printed this besides the DOJ, they'd be like, that person's flipping is, nuts. Is Slip the name of a judge? The slip opinion is slip somebody's name. I, I don't know what a slip opinion is. Oh, actually. it's it's, it's an in between. Opinion. It's an in between um, uh, decision uh, prior to going to court. I think that's what they meant by slip decision. Oh, oh okay. so somebody's just given his opinion before a, a case actually goes forward. It's a slip yeah. opinion. Yeah, they're they're trying I, to change it, but yeah. So it actually, it says here, the full thing, a memorandum opinion for the deputy counsel to the president. So this was written for President Biden. <laughs> he needs oh, to fire Lord. some people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but what happened is that a lot of, the courts are actually agreeing with us in, in a lot of cases. Um, OSHA actually suspended Biden's employer vaccine mandate following the court order by the Fifth Circuit Court. So that was good. Um, the Senate then voted to repeal Biden's vaccine mandate for employers with two Democrats joining Republicans for a 52 to 48 vote to overturn President Biden's vaccine mandate for private businesses with more than 100 employees. Fantastic. That was good. Yeah. Um, and then an appeals court refused to put Biden's vaccine mandate for healthcare workers back into effect. And I think that um, the or it says the order, order only applies to 10 states, Alaska, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, New Hampshire, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wyoming. And it's distinct from a separate court order from a federal judge in Louisiana that blocked the mandate nationwide. So I, it's really, really confusing. But those are the states where healthcare workers still have a mandate. But a, a judge in Louisiana blocked the mandate nationwide. So, I mean, this is so confusing because judges are ruling all over the map on this thing and don't have the same rulings. Yeah. So, okay, now <laughs> let's dive into the four standards needed to get an emergency use authorization product. So these are super critical. And this circles back to what I started off with, those three strangleholds that they absolutely have to hang on to to keep the EUA products on the market. And it starts with um, the Secretary of the Health and Human Services has to declare and maintain an emergency. And so if you wonder why there's variants and more variants, and they're always so scary, it's because of this first criterion in the EUA authorization language where you have to declare and maintain an emergency to keep your EUA product on the market. If any one of these four criteria 
are not met, all EUA products have to come off the market. And that doesn't just include the COVID shots. That's also the surgical masks. And that's the testing, like the PCR test. Those are all EUA still. So the next one, number two, is that the evidence of effectiveness for the product intended to address the emergency is may be effective. Okay, so let's compare that to the evidence for effectiveness for uh, regular vaccines before COVID. That threshold was 70% effectiveness. And that 70% used to be calculated by looking at a fourfold increase in antibody production in someone's blood before and after they got a vaccine. Here, may be effective actually means 30 to 50% effective. And Bernadette, you and I talked about the vaccine studies in one of the first times I was on your show. They didn't use antibodies in those tests to say that those shots were effective. They used PCR testing, oh. which is 90% false positives. Mm-hmm. So the next thing we need to look into is what is the EUA definition of effective for a vaccine? Is that supposed to be based on antibodies or can that be anything like the PCR test? I don't actually know still. Do you guys know? No clue. No clue on that. That's that's a deep dive I need to take next. And I'll be doing that. Um, okay, then the next one is the known and potential benefits of the product must outweigh the known and potential risks of the product. And now this is just so typical of any vaccine, really, where they overplay the benefits and underplay the risks. And, you know, the mainstream media is a complete media silence, media blackout on any of the risks of these shots. And as we said earlier, there have been 20,000 deaths reported after these shots already in our VAERS system compared to 200 to 400 deaths per year for all other vaccines every year since inception of that database in the late 1980s. So literally 20,000 reports of death after these shots this year. And we know that that's underreported by a large factor. Um, Okay, and the final, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, I love how Steve Kirsch goes over that information, um, looking at various studies done to show that in those deaths, most of them are being reported by qualified medical people, not just, you know, willy-nilly anybody, like 85% of the reports are from doctors, nurses, medical facilities, and they're happening within 24 to 48 hours after receipt of an injection, which makes it, you know, you know, it's such a huge red flag. And just to say it's just a coincidence is just absolutely absurd. There was something he said today, I got to go back and watch what he was saying about 300,000 excess deaths have happened, but I'm squirreling. So keep going. Okay. Um, And so the fourth standard to get an EUA product approved is what I call the four A's. There can be no adequate approved and available alternative. And that includes drugs and vaccines. So let me just summarize this. I have a picture of a stool for people who are listening. And this is a four-legged stool. It has to have each of these four elements to it. This can't be a three-legged stool. It can't be a two-legged stool. It certainly can't be a one-legged stool. You have to have the emergency. There can be no alternatives. It has to be 30 to 50% effective, and the benefits have to outweigh the risks. If any one of those um, stool legs goes away, then your EUA products have to come off the market. So this is just a visual for anybody who's watching to kind of keep it keep it in mind. I think it makes it easy to, to remember. So let me dive a little deeper into the state of the emergency. We already said it has to be maintained to keep the EUA products on the market. And I did already touch on the fact that there have to be always have to be variants or some scary thing to keep up the emergency. The emergency just can't just suddenly go away. Can I can I scroll one more time? I have got to read to you guys the latest announcement from uh, December 17th, 2021, from the Public Health Department in Washington State. 
As the highly infectious Omicron variant spreads, new data show that the numbers of new cases are rising very rapidly in our local community and across the U.S. now will continue to rise over the next few weeks. Local public health leaders urge the King County community to prepare and do what we can during this holiday season to reduce the risk. The highly infectious Omicron variant is moving in at astonishing speed, according to the latest projections. We project the number of King County cases by next week to be three times higher than the highest peak we've previously seen in the pandemic. We expect case numbers to continue to rise in January. A similar pattern is expected to emerge in other parts of the United States. The severity of Omicron cases is not clear at this time. Most fully vaccinated people should be protected from severe infection, but we expect to see many more serious cases in unvaccinated people, as well as many mild or breakthrough infections among the vaccinated. I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, they're, you know, they, they know nothing about the seriousness of it or, you know, and it's mostly in the vaccinated people. But anyway, so there you go. There is the inflammatory language right as of today to keep that emergency going. Yep. Okay. Exactly. And, and how do they know? How, how do they have this crystal ball to know it's going to be so dangerous come Christmas? And then, yeah. and why are they saying that the shots that didn't work for the variant and the original infection somehow will work if you take more of them for the variant? They, it, they weren't even tested against the variant. I really don't no. understand. So no. people ask me all the time, you know, can we stop the emergency? When is the emergency going to stop? You know, will it stop when we get herd immunity? No. <laughs> will we? St- will it stop when we get ninety percent vaccination uptake? No. Will it stop when COVID just goes away? Well, folks, it isn't going to just go away. I mean, smallpox just went away in the early 1900s when only 5% of the world was vaccinated. And scarlet fever, for which we never had a vaccine, just suddenly went away around that time too. These things can literally just go away. But COVID's never going to go away. COVID's going to go away when the shots get full approval and when they get their liability shield. Oh, and can I add one-fifth, a fifth uh, right there? When the the when the CEO of Pfizer gets arrested, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, there we I go. There. And and I do control this narrative too. They don't have to control the narrative. Yeah, That's exactly and, and, it. I do have to add because you know everything we say gets absolutely torn apart. And in case there is anybody listening from from any Department of Health and such, when when Alex says that they just go away, I think if we were to expand that out. We could spend a whole hour talking about why they, they like either go away or they become not dangerous infections. It's because of clean water, flushable toilets, access to uh, healthcare and good food, those sort of things. Those infections became not dangerous in healthy um, communities that have access to those things. That's what she means. So I just want to make sure we clarify that. Good point. Yeah, in fact, do you remember that pediatrics article that was published in, I think, the year 2000? And it was based on the um, Bureau of Vital Records. And Mm -hmm. the conclusion there was, I can't remember the exact number, but you probably do, somewhere around 90% of the decline in infectious illness was attributed to antibiotics and sanitation. Yeah, well, actually, I think they said it was pre-antibiotic and pre-vaccination, but it was mostly sanitation, access to medical care and food. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I've quoted it so many times, you know. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. It's good to trot that one out still. Yeah. Okay. Let me dive a little deeper into another leg of that stool. No adequate available and approved alternatives. The shorthand for this, I call it the four A's. And again, it applies to both drugs and vaccines. Um, So if there's a fully approved product with adequate supply, all EUA shots have to be pulled. 
And this is why hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and Steve Kirsch's protocol, which included a drug called fluvoxamine, were all quashed. They could not exist because it, it competes with the COVID shots. And this is, you know, if early treatments were allowed, there would be no pandemic at all. Nobody would be scared because everybody could have ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and zinc and there wouldn't be a pandemic at all. And, and there also wouldn't be a pandemic. Let me just do a side note or squirrel note, <laughs> maybe as Bernadette would say, there wouldn't be a pandemic if we didn't have this faulty PCR test, which delivers 90% false positives. Yes. Yeah. That's why we call it a case-edemic sometimes. Yeah. And so, it's, it's, it's so evil because it, it's not just that they're ignoring treatments, but people are dying for the lack of treatment. It's exactly. so horrific. And vaccinated people are dying for lack of treatment because they're getting breakthrough cases and they're not getting proper treatment early. That's exactly to it. help save them. It's just right. I, I don't think the world has ever seen anything so horrible. No. Ever. And you know, it's not my crime, but knowing this information I'm presenting today, it helps you understand and think like a criminal. Like these are the things they have to guard. And so then you understand the motivation for everything they do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you read Bobby's new book, The Truth About Anthony Fauci, or The Real Anthony Fauci, I forget. Um, sorry, look at my cover here. The Real Anthony the Fauci. The Real, yeah. okay. Um, he goes through, like, the past few decades of um, public health under Tony Fauci, and you get to see how systemically it, it's allowing this to happen now. And I think it's helpful because it helps you, you know, because for some people, they just can't accept that this is real that this level of evilness and systemic corruption is real. But when you read the history of how we got here, which that book does tell you, it's wonderful. So if anybody doesn't have a copy yet, I, I highly suggest get a copy. It's available in print and ebook and audiobook. And if you can't afford it, order it through your library system and get it. And I've got all three because I don't have time to read. So I'm listening to the audiobook and I speed it up to like 1.9, the guy who reads it it's a slow so. 1.9 exactly okay <laughs> it's like your sleep number bed yeah yeah it's really fast but I, I like it once he's going back okay <laughs> I, I want to make sure we get this all in I, bet, I better quit what? squirreling so that you get through your presentation okay, okay. I was gonna say 1.9 to match your brain speed probably only partially though oh sh <laughs> no <laughs> if you only knew. <laughs> um, so this, the four A's are why the Comirnaty vaccine or shot, I should say, is not treated as fully approved in the United States. And, you know, even if it were available on the market, they can manipulate the supply to say, oh, the supply isn't adequate. I mean, they do that for so many products. I yes. mean, the most famous one is diamonds and the De Beers company limits the supply of diamonds or, in order to artificially inflate the price of diamonds. So mm. Even if it we're on the market, they could say, oh, there's not an adequate amount so that it doesn't conflict with the EUA. Yeah. You know, they've even done that with the flu vaccine. They'll they'll issue more. I forget how they manipulate the language to say to allow more of them with mercury, the, the multi-dose ones. It's just evil. They do it with oil, do it with everything. <clears throat> So there's a race to get liability protection. And this is one of those things that they have a stranglehold on. Um, and so, but once these shots are fully approved, the manufacturer most likely has full liability. Now, this thing that Bernadette just sent me um, calls this into question a little bit, but I believe that this is why it's, why Comirnaty isn't actually on the market because um, they have full liability right now. 
And so there's a lot of confusion over Comirnaty. Here are four questions about Comirnaty. Number one, people ask me all the time, was it fully approved? Is it on the market? Number three, is it interchangeable with the Pfizer shot? And number four, does it make COVID shot mandates legal? And I get these questions every single day. So I'm going to answer them. Do you guys know the answer to these four questions? I do. <laughs> is it I a word that starts with N and ends with O? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the same answer for all of them. No, it's not fully approved. No, it's not on the market in the U.S. No, it's not interchangeable with the Pfizer shot. And no, it does not make COVID shot mandates legal. So let's jump into that. Um, so the FDA issued an, in, an intentionally confusing biologic, biologic license application approval. It's called a BLA. And this is an unprecedented approval, quote unquote approval, to both license the Comirnaty shot saying it's, quote, interchangeable with the Pfizer shot to support what they think are legal mandates. But I'm going to tell you, you know, the other shoe dropped on that. And I'm going to show you that in a second. And number two, to retain the vaccine's liability shield by designating it EUA as well. Isn't that lovely? Mm -hmm. um, so number two, it's <laughs> in this BLA document, it's licensed, quote unquote, to be manufactured and introduced into interstate commerce and marketed, but it was not licensed to given to anyone. So they left out the language that usually would say for the ages that Comirnaty was licensed for. Is that what was left yeah. out? Let me show you the next slide. This is that language. So they buried this language in the children's, the pediatric section, as if this only applies to pediatric patients or pediatrics in general. So the okay. um, biologic license application states that Comirnaty is, quote, ready for approval. It doesn't say it's approved. And I'm going to read you the exact thing here. This is a quote. We, and, and again, this is buried in the pediatric section for some really weird reason, but it says, we are deferring submission of your pediatric studies for ages younger than 16 years for this application because this product is, quote, ready for approval for use in individuals 16 years of age and older, and the pediatric studies for younger ages have not been completed. Now, why would they say ready for approval if it's approved? No, and... Why did they imply that the adult studies have been completed when even the adult phase three trial studies are not completed and they never Bingo. will be because they unblinded them? Exactly. Exactly. And get this. So normal age breaks start when when um, people become adults. So why isn't this 18 and up? Because That's 16 is, it, that, that 16 and up still puts it on the CDC recommended schedule, which puts them under the 1986 um, Act umbrella. Liability. Yeah. Yep. Bernadette, you know your stuff. And so, yeah, even if this shot is recommended only for 16 and 17 year olds, um, it goes on the childhood schedule and just being recommended for those two age groups means that this shot would get full liability protection. No matter who program. took it, whether no you're two months or, you know, 92, if it's under, yeah, if it's yep. recommended to any child. Yeah. Yeah. And pregnant women and their unborn children get caught up in that also. Exactly. And they haven't tested it on them. So here's, um, this is another document from Comirnaty. It's called the fact sheet. And the fact sheet says it's EUA. Um, it says this EUA for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine and Comirnaty will end 
when the Secretary of HHS determines that circumstances justifying the EUA no longer exist, or when there's a change in the approval status of the product such that the EUA <laughs> is no longer needed. Oh, so it's EUA. <laughs> I love that sentence. They just, it's right there, plain as day. Yeah. Hidden okay, in plain sight. Huh? Hidden in plain sight. That's what yeah. that's what that's what CDC's brilliant at is hiding things in plain sight, isn't it? Yes, they've done that for decades. They really have, and it's just, I'm so sick of it. Um, if this weren't so grim; it would be kind of fun. Okay, so more more fact sheet language. What if I decide not to get the Comirnaty vaccine or the Pfizer BioNTech COVID nineteen vaccine? Quote under the EUA, it is your choice to receive or not receive the vaccine. Should you decide not to receive it, it will not change your standard medical care. So all the people who are being denied surgery because they refuse um, their 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 rights are the laws being broken. Correct. The laws being yeah. broken. I, yeah. For anyone refused the ability to work, get medical care, et cetera, <laughs> it's all being broken. Now, as bad as that DOJ <laughs> opinion was, they mm -hmm. actually supported this, that you don't have to get an EUA shot to get medical care. That's even in the DOJ opinion. Mm. So basically everything that's been happening here in the state of Washington with some of our transplant recipients, basically the hospital and the doctors have opened themselves not only to uh, state and federal, but also international human rights violations. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope the doctors and the hospitals are listening to this and seriously considering lawyering up at this point because right there the families have a case that could basically destroy hospitals yeah okay. well let let's hope they don't lawyer up let's hope the patients lawyer up and and change yeah. this you know i hopefully they'll change their mind and say welcome back let's save your life if it's not too late yeah wow so the facts okay <laughs> number three on the fact sheet for comernati it says it's quote interchangeable with the pfizer shot but it's also legally distinct. Mm -hmm. It's just, can it get more confusing? But guess what happened? They took it a little too far and a federal judge rejected the DOD claim that Pfizer EUA and Comirnaty vaccines are interchangeable. So that, nice. that was adjudicated. They're not interchangeable. So what does that do? That leaves um, very clearly and plainly only three EUA products on the market in the United States. That's the Pfizer vaccine, which they did develop with BioNTech, but that's different from Comirnaty. That's the Moderna and that's the J&J. &J. Yeah. That's it. They're all wow. anyway. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Beautiful job. Make it, trying to find some clarity in a lot of mud. Very, very well done. Thank you for that. Thanks. <laughs> and then um, the military is um, going after this again. They're seeking a new injunction against COVID vaccine mandates. So I hope they're successful with that. Um, they're challenging, um, you know, whether or not these things are interchangeable, which the court um, on the previous page just ruled they, they were not interchangeable, but the military's got another suit on that same issue. Um, so how do we know that Comirnaty is not being treated as fully approved? This is like a top five list. Number one, the approval states that, quote, you have the right to accept or refuse the product. That means it's EUA. Number two, it's not available in the United States because Comirnaty does not have liability protection. Number three, it's an alternative. So all other EUA shots would have to come off the market. Number four, the CDC advisory group, ACIP, otherwise called the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, would have recommended it already for ages 16 to 18, and they have not. 
And finally, number five, the CDC would have then added it to the children's recommended schedule for ages 16 and 17. None mm -hmm. of that's happened. And if it were fully approved, all these things would have happened. Oh, yeah, because they didn't hesitate. They, they were, they've been setting up ASIP meetings on 24-hour notice anytime they wanted to do something, you know, for the vaccine industry. Or they wanted to have a dog and pony show like, like they did with, with Johnson & Johnson. You know, like, they, I don't know why they decided that um, probably when, when too much out in the public is, is being talked about and reported despite the censorship about heart attacks and blood clots, they probably decided that they needed to do something officially in the news to pretend like they're paying attention. And so they decided to throw J&J &J under the bus by saying, you know, it's your choice of last resort. If you can't get the other two, then you can get that one, right? Um, yeah, it's just, it's horrific. It really is. Um, okay, so here's the Comirnaty label. And let's look at the middle section. It says selected safety information update. Here, they actually admit that the shots can cause myocarditis and pericarditis, which are both heart inflammation. And they say it's occurred more often in males under 40 years of age than among females and older males. So does this explain why about 300 professional athletes have collapsed on the field or outright died? Does this explain why I heard over last weekend that a fourth grader died of a heart attack in the San Francisco Bay Area and why I heard that a 14-year-old who was sledding in Minnesota died of a heart attack while sledding? And this is serious mm -hmm. stuff. We're causing heart attacks in young people. And get this, in New York City, the school system there has brought in a... Um, a heart disease medical doctor expert to train people how to recognize signs of heart disease in children. How can Why this... did they bring that person on five years ago, 10 years ago? Why now when these shots are causing heart disease in children? Yeah. And they've been yeah. trying to normalize heart mm -hmm. disease and strokes in, 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 in kids for yes. the past year now, which is, this is insanity. I mean, how can people, well, never mind. It's totally insane. And Bernie, you guys probably know the name of that new ingredient. So in the children's version of this vaccine, because of this issue of heart inflammation, we think they swapped out this the saline for what is it called? Something else that actually is known to prevent heart attacks. Yeah, I haven't gone down the rabbit hole on that one yet, but the formulation is different. And what's really concerning is the formulation that is EUA authorized to give to five to 12 year olds was never actually studied. It's, yeah. it's a different formulation with different buffers. And you read that on the fact sheet. It, you know, it says that, you know, there's these different three formulations that are all uniquely different. Um, and one of the, one of the questions was about the studies. No, this one wasn't used. You know, is that science to say, oh, we don't expect it to be troublesome because the formulation right. is different. It, you know, it's, it's just a buffer. Yeah. Right. So they swapped out the, um, the phosphate buffered saline PDS. Yeah for this thing called Tris, which is more toxic than saline because everything's more toxic than saline, right? Yeah. yeah. And they haven't studied it, as you said. It, right. And they, I do not know how they get away with it. I Yeah, it's it's just crazy. And they, I think they did it to make it um, so it could be refrigerated as opposed to frozen, perhaps. And, oh. and the doses could already be portioned out just to make it simpler. Yeah. And our kids will be the... Um, the guinea pigs. The guinea pigs. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. well, Alex, um, you know, we've got like two minutes. So oh, it, okay. it's well, time. Let me, let me hurry through the rest. Okay. So the label says that it's emergency use authorization on the Comirnaty thing. It doesn't say it's approved. 
And then finally, um, here's a Reuters report saying there's eight heart inflammation cases among young kids um, who got the COVID shot. There's many more. We know that. And then um, I want everybody to know that Children's Health Defense, we've sued the FDA over approval of the Pfizer Comirnaty vaccine. Fantastic. Um, and then finally, how will Comirnaty get on the market? Only when it's fully approved. And then they're going to add it for ages 16 and 17. And this is their holy grail. Any shot in the CDC recommended schedule for children gets full liability protection according to the 1986 Act. This is why they're going after our children when they have a 99.9973% recovery rate. You cannot improve on that with a shot, especially ones that's dangerous. And that is only adding risk to our children. Amen. And then finally, everybody should buy the Fauci book. Yes, everybody buy the real Anthony Fauci. It is so brilliant, I tell you. Get it any way you can. Borrow it. Get it from the library. Buy it if you can. Make it uh, stocking stuffers. It's really cheap on the ebook edition right now. You can afford to send it to everybody you know and even those you hate. You know, just send it out there. Um, you know, send it to Fauci. Yeah, I'm sure that he has a copy. So, wow, um, such great information. Um, I, I hear the music coming, so I guess I'll just I'll wrap things up. So, Alex, it's always a pleasure. Thank you once again. And Dr. Uh, oh, I, X, sorry, I went blank there for a minute. <laughs> Thanks for co-hosting with me today. Everybody My have pleasure. a great uh, weekend. You've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We'll be back next week, even though it's Christmas Eve. We'll be here. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. 
declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informchoicewa.org today.